You're listening to Geeks Unleashed, a podcast that covers what's current in the world of pop culture. I'm Mark Brassington, and I'm in London. And I'm Jasmine in Texas. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Geeks Unleashed. This is episode 53. If you're not already subscribed, you can find us at Geeks Unleashed everywhere, including your favorite podcast platform. Remember, five-star reviews help us get found by more listeners. So please rate and review Geeks Unleashed on Apple or Podchaser. I'm Mark. And I'm Jasmine. And I'm Stephen. And this week's review is the deluxe edition, book one of Sweet Tooth, which collects the first 12 issues. And spoiler warning, this is a review show. So if you have not read any of the Sweet Tooth books, then you might want to pause this and come back later. Thanks, mate, for coming back again. Appreciate it. Hopefully we can uh, get through this episode a little bit more seriously. than No promises. Than, um, than the... <laughs> Uh, for anyone listening, last time Stephen was on, Jasmine had to cut almost half an hour, of, <laughs> half an hour of jokes out. <laughs> so, we uh, we we got a little silly, but it was totally fun. I have never <laughs> laughed so much editing than I did with that last episode we had Stephen on. So that was it was a lot of fun. I it took me a half a day, a full half day to get this edited because I just kept oh, laughing. Wow. Yeah. Gosh. Uh, well, my apologies. No, it was it was fun times. It was fun times. So. I mean, that's the trouble when you let your third co-host get completely drunk on the podcast, right? Exactly. So, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I'm, well, joking. I'm yeah. joking. Weren't you drinking like loads of coffee or something? Like, yeah, you were hopped up yeah. on coffee. Yeah. Well, and to, <laughs> but I assure you, this uh, this week you have. So you're on decaf. Receiving. You're on decaf this week. Yes. Yes. Uh, <laughs> we got, we I'm got, strictly. Strictly soda, so <laughs> that's so, one twenty-fifth the caffeine. Yeah, but um, but four hundred percent more sugar. Oh, okay. Exactly. That could, I mean, that could go in a completely different angle. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, um, we'll just jump straight into our news this week. I'm so excited. Like, I be honest with you, I, it's not kind of the news I was expecting. So as we knew, as we know, sorry that. Uh, Donny Kate's Venom run is coming to an end of issue 200, which has been postponed weeks for weeks and weeks and weeks. I've no idea why that's been endlessly pushed back. And there's been a lot of rumours about what's going to be happening with the Hulk book as well, because we know that issue 50 is also going to be the last of um, uh, the Immortal Hulk, which I haven't actually read. Uh, have you read it, Stephen? Or not? Um, <clears throat> I read the the first couple of issues, and it's, uh, it's such a huge departure um, from traditional Hulk, uh, but it's great. I mean, uh, oh, I've heard nothing but good story. things about it. Yeah. yeah, and so it's meant to be coming to an end, uh, issue 50. And actually, the rumor I had heard that was Chip Zdarsky apparently would be taking over, and I would have been completely fine with that. But the announcement has been then that Ryan Otley and Donny Cates are going to be taking on the Hulk uh, in November. So I'm I'm stoked for that. The preview pages that they've um, put online look amazing. You're going to get your first preview of that and that from the new team in August free comic book day which is going to be august 14th in the avengers hulk free comic book and they have announced that brian hitch will be joining ram v and al ewing for the venom ongoing series in november and he'll also be getting his preview in the free comic book day spider-man slash venom also august 14th my thoughts on this i'm excited for donnie and ryan on there hopefully be a brilliant run on hulk i'm definitely gonna pick it up uh, for the Venom run, I'm excited for the Ram V and Al Ewing. I'm not sure how it's going to work with a joint writer team. Not really sure what's going to happen with Brian Hitch. I'm sure he'll do two issues and then the book will just be postponed forever and a day. 
all I can think is unless Brian Hitch started it last year at some point and he's already got a few issues in the can so um, I'm sure as most people know Brian Hitch tends to uh, well faces several hitches along the right so. uh, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, Stephen, any thoughts on either of these books? Yeah, man. Honestly, I I love Brian Hitch. Um, my one of my first favorite artists was a guy named Alan Davis, who uh, Hitch is really inspired by. Um, and um, yeah, I think I think it could be really cool. Like you said, honestly, I've never seen a Brian Hitch um, ongoing that wasn't heavily delayed. So I'm kind of thinking <laughs> the same thing. I mean, it was well, pretty much, I saw quite a few comments online about Brian Hitch going, oh God, you know, like, you know, he's got some great create, <laughs> creative teams here, but like how delayed are these books going to be? I think the Ryan Otley one will be all right, but I don't think Ryan will probably do consecutive. I can imagine he'll do five issues on, sort of four issues off, five issues on. Like Ryan, Hitch, uh, Ryan Otley is obviously a, a brilliant artist as well, but uh, maybe, if the, maybe that's what they'll need to do with Brian Hitch, switch out the creative. Well, not the creative, whole creative team, just the illustrating side of the team. So <laughs> well, maybe, maybe maybe they'll move Brian to covers after issue three. So they will. He'll do covers <laughs> as long as I, he can do covers on any book he wants to. It's the, yeah. getting the interiors. It's like when I was growing up, Arthur Adams was that guy. Um, everybody oh, yeah. wanted him to do interiors, but he was just um, so talented. But yeah, just slow. Just not but very. Yeah, timely. I agree. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. That, and uh, yeah, you could tell I was trying not to say a negative about one of my favorite artists. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Ryan Otley um, and Danny Cates. I'm that. I'm actually more excited about that one. Um, Ryan Otley on Spider Man. Oh, uh, Donny, Donny, Donny Cates. Sorry, that was a typo on my part. Putting either. Uh, oh, yeah, Donny Cates. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Donny. Yeah. No, I mean Donny. I've loved his Venom run. I've read all of it. It's amazing. So. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm stoked for both these teams and also Black Panther's getting a reboot in August. So I, I'm actually thinking I, I'm going to, I haven't, I don't even know if I've ever picked up a Black Panther comic. Uh, oh man, the Ta-Nehisi Coates run on Black Panther was phenomenal. Um, and I haven't read, I haven't read Venom, uh, sorry, I haven't read Hulk, sorry, since um, the Bruce Jones run, which ended with World War Hulk and all, all, you know, Planet Hulk and all that, and then I kind of yeah, just kind of just fizzled out after there. I've picked up the old Hulk book here and there, but this, but I know, I know me, I'm going to end up picking up this Donny Cates run and sticking with it on Hulk, and I'm sure it's going to be amazing. So I was really hoping that Donny Cates would somehow move across to Amazing Spider-Man, um, but not to be. So <laughs> <laughs> honestly, I'll say. One thing I'll say, this kind of this reminds me a lot of Marvel's strategy in the '90s, um, that where they would just take their very top talent and put them on their very top books, mm. um, and they have they've been doing that with writers for a long while. Um, but I feel like Ryan Otley was one of the first times that they took a an all star artist and intentionally plugged them on a top exposure book, and just he took off. Um, anyway, he just made Spider-Man his. I'm really excited to see what he does with Hulk. So, mm. so let's move on from that. And uh... All right. Our next, our next piece of news has me super excited. Uh, it is one of the few games I have actually played on my PS4. Uh, God of War, the sequel, has just been pushed back to 2022. Santa Monica Studios took to Twitter uh, a few days ago and said... They were not going to make their original 2021 holiday date. 
And um, they also cited that they didn't want to push their developers too hard because they were concerned about their mental health. The whole crunch aspect of video game development has been something that has come up a lot over the past couple of years. It's, it's always been there, but it's like it's, it's more uh, at the forefront these days. So for them to actually come out and say that was part of the reason, who knows if that's actually true or not. But, and who knows if they're going to actually adhere to it. But they have pushed back the sequel to God of War. It still doesn't have an official title. Right now it's just being called God of War Ragnarok. Um, and they also said that it is not going to be a PS5 exclusive. They will be releasing that game for PS4 as well, which I'm super excited about because I still don't have a PS5. Um, but God of War was my my game of the year, the year that it came out. It was yeah. fantastic. It was yeah. hard as shit. I mean, it's, it's one of the <laughs> hardest games like I've ever played. Even on easy mode, I was like, okay... Oh, I need a break. <laughs> my hands are. I started playing God of War. This might probably maybe offend both of you, but I, I, I'll be honest. I, I didn't really see what was. It literally was like smash, smash, move to another room, smash, smash, move to another room. And I was like, okay, this is like rinse, repeat. I'm bored now. Just, uh, hey, Jasmine, what's wrong with Mark you? Just, yeah, Mark wow, just, Mark just dropped off the podcast today. I don't are know, you, what the are you talking, Mark? <laughs> <laughs> fantastic. No, do you know what? Like at the very well, beginning, when he fights that like god or whatever it is, and like they're smashing each other through different houses, and it's all over the cliff and all the rest of it, and it's really. And I was like, this is like ten minutes into the game, and I was like, wow, this is a really hard start mm-hmm. like to the game. And then, and then they sort of go, him and his son go on that journey, and I'm like, half an hour of smash, move to another room, smash, move to another room. I'm like, I'm really. Bored, like so i just didn't carry on with it like maybe 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 things changed like did it did it did the smash move to a different part of the game no, that, that's good that's going but the story gets so much better and then you get the, you yeah. get well like i i love god of war because i'm not really big into combat combat is not the reason i play video games i love the stories so the story in god of war is Oh my god, it's phenomenal! I mean, it's, oh no, it's, I love story. So I love story-based games. Like, I mean, if you think I should revisit, I'm more than happy to revisit. But I, if it is just smash, smash stuff, <laughs> <laughs> like a little bit more from it than that. That's oh bit... man, you got to get to the good part because it's it's so much fun to like throw the axe. That was that was a lot of fun. But spoiler warning here: uh, as the game progresses, <laughs> you wind up getting a different weapon that is called the Blades of Chaos, which are these two chained Hellblades. And man, once you get the Blades of Chaos, holy hell! The whole combat dynamic in the game changes. I did like. Great. I was gonna say I did like um, that Chris Judge was the actor, uh, the <clears throat> voice actor of um, uh, of the main character, and I thought I, I love Chris Judge from Stargate SG One. Yeah. So I literally spent I don't know. Every time I address someone, I just call them boy for so long after I finished <laughs> God of War because that's what he addressed. Like, he never calls his son by his name. He literally spends the whole game calling his son boy. <laughs> Great. I love it. I'm, I'm excited. I, I want Santa Monica Studios to take their time. I want this game to come out, and I want it to come out right. I don't want it to be another Cyberpunk 2077 where it comes out and it's completely buggy and no one enjoys it. Yeah. Definitely don't want it to be like an anthem from BioWare, which of course I love BioWare because they're the studio behind Mass Effect. But I if <clears throat> if it's a matter of developing the game so that it comes out right, then take as much time as you need. I don't care how long it gets pushed back. Like I want to play a sequel that's worth playing. 
I think it's good. It's yeah. gonna be a PS5 exclusive. So no, well, it won't be PS5 exclusive. It'll... Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. I'm, oh, I'm yeah. yeah, I'm saying I'm yeah. glad that that's not the case because yeah. I mean I'm not gonna buy a PS5 until it's at least 200 quid. I'm not spending five or six hundred <laughs> quid. I'm not spending five or six hundred quid on a console. It's insane. So, it's, well, it's gonna be a long uh, while because they still having supply well, issues getting that. Uh, getting well, I, didn't, I, I didn't buy a PS4 until it was 200 quid. Like I, you know, and that was four five hundred quid for years, and then <laughs> on that side, so I, I waited quite a while to get the PS4. I was happy to wait. So. I literally um, bought a PS4 to play Uncharted. Uh, I it, like that was the first yeah. time anything had ever a, a commercial oh, had yeah, put me in so bad. Like yeah. I kept seeing the commercials for Uncharted <laughs> Four, and I was like, "Damn, that game looks awesome!" And then I was like, "Okay, yeah. but I have never ever played Uncharted, and I am not the type that can just jump in like that late oh, into no, a I did series." The same thing. Yeah. So I found a PS4 bundle where it was like, "Hey, if you buy the PS4, you get all three Uncharted games," and I was like, "Sweet, done. That's easy." That's what, yeah, that's what I did. You know, like I wanted to, actually, so with the PS3, so I bought the PS3 just to play The Last of Us. Um, and I literally didn't play anything else. And in fact, I sold the PS3 in the end because I was like, do you know, I've done The Last of Us. I actually don't care anymore. And then I bought, <laughs> and then, and then I bought the PS4 because of the Uncharted games. I literally went through all four. Actually, I've done all five Uncharted games. Uh, the lo- was it, I can't the Lost the, Legacy. Yeah, yeah, Lost Legacy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did all, I've done all five games. And honestly, I know like it had a really nice ending, but I still would love to see another uncharted game somehow like well I don't know. you might not get another uncharted game figure it out you're gonna, figure get, out. You're gonna get an uncharted movie coming up well here soon. No, no i'm not that bothered about that like um <laughs> I, I, I i want another uncharted game i don't know like I, you know do you know what they could do it's just give us an adventure of nathan that we hadn't seen before you know it doesn't have to ruin the ending or yeah. we can go whatever. back before all of that yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. before Maybe. he met elena they had all of that time when uh when in the fourth game where they go back and he's a kid like him and Sully, like why can't we see like his teenage years of, yeah, of yeah, him that, and yeah. Sully? As long, well, as long as they bring in the same act, the voice actors though. Like yeah. maybe it could be maybe it could be Nathan Drake as a twenty-five year old. Like you Nolan know. North would do it, hundred percent. Yeah, oh yeah. If he they would, asked yeah. Nolan North to come back, like he would definitely come back. Oh yeah, yeah. Like, Plus, it, couple... it would be a perfect opportunity for them to bring Sam in too. Then you've got Nolan North and Troy Baker back together. The gang's all here. Hey, be great. I was gonna, I was gonna say, <laughs> let's we'll, we'll we'll bring our PS4 talk to a close and let because uh, we don't want to do what we did last week and just completely go off on the chat. Uh, last time Stephen was on, so Stephen, you jump in. What's your what's your news? Yeah. So. Um... <clears throat> Jupiter's Legacy, uh, kind of a lot going on. It just came out. Uh, it has been canceled <laughs> after <laughs> one season, and all the actors have been released uh, from their contracts. Um, and uh, yeah, it, it's kind of crazy. It had a massive budget. It was like $200 million for that first season. Which seems um, a lot for Netflix. Yeah, well, and honestly, uh, that was one of the one of the complaints was that some of the special effects scenes uh, didn't look as polished as they could have. And I kind of agree. Uh, yeah, were, with that kind of budget, you know, hell, how much did you put into those spandex suits if the CGI still looks crappy like this? <laughs> yeah. Well, they <laughs> Sorry. they had to pay, they had to pay $90 million for all the tears uh, in, the, in the, the depression era flashbacks. <laughs> anyway, um, and it turns out that they actually reanimated that old man. Um, that's where the other 110 million. So yeah, that, the guy with the, the whole gash. budget went into into yeah. the dead father. Yes, for sure. Yeah, it's a that. real breakthrough in special effects. <laughs> anyway, I found I found the series phenomenally dull. Um, 
And uh, I just, I didn't like any of the characters. So for me, it's not a big loss. Second season is usually where these kind of shows sing. So that's kind of a bummer, but um, you know. Um, yeah, but they really didn't do a good busy. job of making people want to come back and, and watch a second season. Cause we tried, I mean, we, we watched it, we covered it and it was just kind of like, I can see where you guys are going and I can see the potential here, but you, you didn't tell the story in the right order is, is yeah. what I think. Like well, you should have stuck with, give us the original six because I thought what was really compelling was it was one of the first series where you actually see how these people get superpowers, which is usually something that no one ever covers in the superhero stuff. It's just kind of like, Oh, bam, superheroes. But like, how? Um, so I thought that that was super interesting, especially since it was like this big mythic quest thing that they had to go on like that. That was a super, super compelling story, especially set against the backdrop of the depression. And then it was just like, you go to present day and you got all these whiny ass kids. And I'm just like, I don't understand. <laughs> like, what is the point? What is the point of these kids? Somebody uh, I mean, has I, enough whiny ass kids in their real life. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I think with Jupiter's legacy, like I, I mean, it seems to be this, a lot of people do seem to not like the fact that it's been cancelled and wanted a second season, which I was quite shocked about. Like me and me and Jasmine, when we did our review, we were really disappointed by it. And people I've been talking to generally thought the show was shit. And I when we put a I put an announcement on our Instagram and Twitter and stuff and there were so many comments underneath yeah, where people were disappointed. Comments. I was shocked. Like, I was actually really shocked like people really wanted the second season. I was like, what on earth? Did we watch different shows? Like I just don't get it. Like and um like what did they watch did they watch Umbrella Academy and just get confused? Like and, um <laughs> so I mean I actually have to say Umbrella Academy got better in the second season. So I agree with your point actually like I didn't like the uh first season of Umbrella Academy. I thought that was incredibly dull and the second season i'm honestly i was was a much better move, uh, move forward with that show um jupiter's legacy you know to summarize our episode was a complete and utter mess like you know if i'd have been put in charge i actually would have just done season one of just the past just mm -hmm. like the depression era stuff and i actually think that would have been a lot more fun to have seen like and you would have probably would have got to the island probably by the end of episode two obviously you would have got there a lot quicker uh maybe it didn't need to be an eight episode season as well you could have just done four episodes just in the depression era with them getting their powers and maybe two episodes getting to the island and maybe two episodes with them getting their powers and showing the reaction and then I, if it was me in charge of this I would have kind of staggered each season and slowly got to the present and by that you know and got to know these characters and one of, one of the things that kind of annoyed me in in season one was that they just make a remark about Mark Latner's uh, sorry Matt Latner's character um how he how he suddenly tried to kill the vice president in the 60s or 70s or something and I was right. like I was like, what, you're just going to tell us like a just massive thing like that? drop that in there and then keep on moving. And no, but what, what I thought was, how amazing would that have been, like as a massive twist? In a, in yeah. a, and I thought, now if you go back and show us that, we now know. Like, but, the, but that so. was really annoying too, because it was like, you made him such a main and integral character at the, in, in the past, and he does not exist in the present doesn't exist at all. Him and um, the guy that we meet on the boat in like episode seven, where it's like, oh, now we finally got all six of us. Like, the hell, how the hell are we supposed to attach ourselves to this guy when he literally just popped up in the second to last episode mm. of the season? That made no sense know. to me. So there's so much of a mess about it. But anyway, so they've released all the uh, actors from their contracts. Really weirdly, they've announced an in-universe spinoff called Super Crooks, which is meant to follow the villains of Jupiter's Legacy. 
apparently Jupiter's Legacy is going to be potentially reworked. No idea what that means, because if they've released the cast, is that just going to be a reboot? If they've spent 200 million on season one, why would you reboot it with all new all, all new cast? Yeah. Couldn't you just do a season two where you kind of maybe try and correct some of your errors with the same cast? I, honestly, this feel, this whole thing, it, even the cancellation feels like a mess. Did they let DC in charge of their decision-making or something like that? So, yeah. Like, like, yeah that's, that, wow, that's a... Mark is, Mark is really just feeling the burns today. Like, <laughs> I think... I think the rework they're talking about is using that reanimated corpse as a and reformatting as a talk show. Maybe, uh, maybe Conan, Conan O'Brien style. Oh my god! You maybe, guys. maybe the, you know, maybe this would be better as an animated, a bit like Invincible, like and maybe that might be what they mean when they rework it because they're not going to want to drop another two hundred million. Yeah. Well, I'll say this: if anybody who liked the comic series, Frank quietly contributed a lot to the to the integrity of that project. And I think, yeah, I think you're right. I think it would have been a much better animated piece. Like All-Star Superman is animated based on Frank Quietly's designs. And it's one of the most beautiful of the DC premiere animated features. So, Well, anyway, so Avengers Campus, they've released some footage and some pictures. And it's <clears throat> going to be at the Disney California Adventure Park, not in Florida. It opens to the public tomorrow. The Well, sorry, we're recording this today on the 3rd. It's going to be live open on the 4th of June. This episode obviously is going to drop a couple of days after the 4th of June. And at the opening ceremony, uh, Kevin Feige, who everybody knows, Feige as they just call him, uh, the Avengers Campus... Uh, like, the the Fikes. Uh, I don't know if they call him that, but like you always hear them going Feige like, all the time. Anyway, the Avengers Campus will never be completed. It's a living, breathing space that will grow and evolve as our cinematic uh, cinematic universe grows and evolves with new props and new characters assembling here at Avengers HQ. Uh, there's lo- there's loads of footage and photos online. There's a bunch of cast that was there, you know, that you'll know from Captain Marvel and going to the galaxy, et cetera. And, and what, what, what might be interesting is that none of this stuff you'll ever see in Florida, uh, not while Universal have a say, because uh, unfortunately when Disney bought Marvel, there's so many historic contracts that they are slowly trying to undo. I mean, they've undone the Fox one by buying Fox. Um, so, <laughs> like... like well, I think the only way they're going to be able to undo the Sony and the Universal one is probably by buying Sony and Universal because they're not going to give up those meal tickets uh, anytime no soon. Universal um, is not giving up those parts without a fight. No, so Universal, okay. as, uh, you, as you may know, has a Spider-Man ride and I think a Hulk ride. And the, a part of the agreement is that no other park can have, a, uh, have any other Marvel rides in Florida. So... There's no way around it for Disney. I'm sure Disney, being Disney, will find a way. They will find a way to come to some sort of agreement. I know they will. Like, it will take... I mean, maybe they've got other priorities right now, rather than... But whilst they've got another park all the way over in... um, you know, in California, they've got the ability to have this Avengers campus. Haven't seen the pictures. If people know from listening in the past... Me and my family are big Disneyland and sorry, actually, sorry, Disney fans, not just Disneyland. You know, we've been to Disney World a few times, done a few cruises. You know, we we we'll watch Disney movies. Thought we watched Cruella last Friday. Actually, it was an enjoyable movie. I won't talk about that now, but we're we're Disney fans, and and you know, the idea of going to this sounds amazing. I 
unfortunately going to california isn't something i could see us doing with younger kids because i don't know like that's a long much, trip yeah, for you guys yeah like yeah it is a longer trip a long trip but i don't think you can stay on site and stuff like that and you know it's i mean my kids my kids are pretty easy going they'd probably love it but yeah I'd, I'm, I'd love to go to this i think it looks amazing so i always um, get really mad at myself because i lived in la for three years and never once in the three years i lived in la did i go to disneyland um but i have I, been to disneyland I have not. My first Disney experience was when I was in Hong Kong, uh, which Hong Kong Disney is the worst performing of all of the Disney parks around the world, which I thought was super interesting. But at the Hong Kong Disney Park, they did have some of interesting stuff. They had this uh, Tony Stark ride that was a lot of fun, but it was sort of like, it it reminded me a lot of the Spider-Man ride that they were promoting in this footage of the Avengers campus, where it was kind of that augmented reality where you go in with your 3D glasses, you sit in a car and then like, action happens on screen in front of you but you it's not really like a ride ride um my one souvenir from hong kong disney is uh my iron man chopsticks which i love (laughs) and i use all the time Wow, yeah. Do you know though? Disney and Marvel, they do make pro- they do make merchandise out of absolutely everything. Everything, like they, everything. Oh uh, yeah, just anything you can think of. There probably is a Marvel or Disney thing out there for it. So yeah, I was super excited. Like as I was walking through the gift shop, and I was like, oh man, I don't. I like, of course, I bought myself some like mini ears, but uh, I was like, I don't know what to buy myself for like as a you know reminder of this trip. And then I literally got to a whole section where they had all of these uh, Avengers characters as chopsticks, and I was like, yes, Iron Man chopsticks, perfect, done. All right, I'm ready to go home now, guys. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know they. I know like Disney fans eat up pretty much anything that they release, but uh, like merchandise wise, it will sell. Yeah, so. Chopsticks may be quite cool to have. So, uh, lightsaber chopsticks that light up. Oh, that would be pretty cool. Wait a minute. So, you're the line between Iron Man being not cool chopsticks and cool chopsticks is lightsabers? (laughs) No, no. I'm just like, I can't, I, I never use like chopsticks anyway, but I'm like, if I was going to get them, lightsaber ones would be pretty cool. I use (laughs) chopsticks all the time. Like I, I will go to the Asian markets and I buy a hundred pack of the wooden chopsticks. I go through those like candy because I usually use chopsticks to eat my Cheetos so that my fingers don't get (laughs) Uh, Cheeto-y. That's hilarious. So I I literally (laughs) use chopsticks. I I probably use chopsticks four or five times a week for sure. So I use, I definitely like me getting the Iron Man chopsticks was worth it. I think you're going to have to make a video of this. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I want to see the chopsticks and the Cheetos. Okay, I I will do that. Set it here on the podcast. Put it on Instagram. Yeah, I'll put it on Instagram of me eating Cheetos with chopsticks. Yeah. So uh, yeah, uh, you've completely derailed my thought. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's going to show up on Five Minute Crafts later this week. <laughs> there Don't was like Cheeto dust. Yeah. Click, click. Oh man. So when like when I was in high school, I used to eat my Cheetos with a spoon. Uh, and then when I got hip to wooden, like that, I could buy my own wooden chopsticks instead of just stealing them from restaurants. Uh, I was like, I am never ever going to have Cheeto fingers ever again in life because I have chopsticks. So last quick question. I'm doing my best not to derail like last time. You can get the bamboo ones, right? The ones that don't splinter. Uh-huh. There you go. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs>
All right. One more piece of news, Stephen, you'll close us out here. Oh yeah. Thanks for transitioning for me. (laughs) We we wanted to, in case you forgot. uh, (laughs) Yeah, I did forget completely. We we still have work to do here. Sorry. Yeah. (laughs) All right. So this week uh, FX released their fall schedule. um, And one of the key highlights was um, a release date or an airing date for the pilot episode of why the last man, which is um, that's based on a, a long in development series. Um, honestly, I, I think I first heard about this being in development like 12 years ago. Um, but it's uh, based on a interpretation of Kamandi, the the last boy on earth, which was a Jim Kirby character reinterpreted by <laughs> Brian K. Vaughn um, for the modern era. <laughs> it's about the it's about a boy and his monkey who have survived a, um, a an apocalyptic event that wipes out all males except them on the planet. So. Anyway, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. It's kind of a high concept, cool idea. So, and uh, you, Brian K. Vaughn is a, did you ever read a pretty it? great writer. Did you ever read uh, The Last Man? See, you, this is like the third time you've asked me if I've read something I have not read. Oh, no, sorry. <laughs> I, okay. No, I haven't no, read it either. It's just been on my list you. forever, but I yeah. have not actually sat down and read it. Funny thing is, Brian K. Vaughn is one of the most versatile writers in comics. He's written a ton yeah. of stuff. Love I haven't read stuff. anything he's written. Oh man, saga! <laughs> I, I, I was I was looking through his catalog on Comic Vine. I was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> anyway, I need to read Saga at least. That's one no, oh, why the last man Saga's though. Fantastic. Yeah, but Saga he hasn't finished though. Um, but why the last man he did finish sixty issues. I've read them all. So good. Like it's really, really good. That's yeah, awesome. really good. Yeah, like I remember reading that, and you know, like. You know, like when you're watching something or reading something and it is like, we're, we're obviously with a lot of the Marvel DC stuff, it just never ends. But like with obviously a lot of the independent stuff, you know, it will end, you know, even The Walking Dead and Invincible, which, you know, ended and people were shot that ended. But when Why the Last Man finished, I remember picking up that last issue, like, uh, like really praying that it would you know, do it justice considering it being, you know, it was, a, it was quite a big event, like comic, I remember, like, and um. And I did enjoy the last uh, issue. I think they did well in terms of closing it out. So there was what there was one thing I think that happened in the issue before, which I won't ruin free review, um, which I was a little bit disappointed about. But they kind of do this as a bringing stories to a close. They kind of have to bring certain characters to a close as well. And and I was like, oh, that, that was one thing I was a little bit disappointed about. But they did end the series really well. I thought so. Yeah, I'd really would recommend picking up this uh share, picking up the comics and the graphic novels and stuff like that so yeah but i'm, I'm looking forward to this like you Stephen. though you said it's been development hell for about 12 years yeah. i've been so yeah. eager to hear about it i think initially i heard it was going to be a movie and i was like no a movie won't work for this like it's too big TV, yeah it's too big it's too big to be a movie and also with the speed that these things get made, you know, you'd get a movie and three years later, you'd get a sequel and it'd be like, it'd just be annoying. So I think to have a weekly sort of FX, FX or stars or HBO, are the perfect places to stick something like this. So I, I don't know what the episode count was. I don't know if they've announced that, but you know, something like a 10 or 12 episode season and, you know, almost like Walking Dead type thing. I think it'd be brilliant, you know, have this go for say four or five seasons. Don't let it go on too long. Um, and actually channels like this don't let things go on too long they do kind of wrap them up so i i'm excited for this i'm interested because like you said it's on fx and Mm. fx can be a little bit more uh daring in their creativity so 
it uh i i'd be interested i i again it's been in development for so long it's hard to get excited about something like that but i i trust fx maybe maybe <laughs> so maybe we'll see. Maybe like maybe what we'll do is something similar to this episode, get you to read the first twelve issues and then you'll uh, probably be like, Oh, I really want to watch this now. So yeah. <laughs> there's some there's some really cool moments, like so they, they they do kind of really get around the whole they don't don't completely get around it, but they do have some cool moments. There's um in the in the uh, sixty eight issues, there was a moment where a space um where there is actually another man alive who's in a space station um up in space um and um so they're there but and obviously that space uh station does eventually crash on earth or oh, sorry not the space station they, they come down on their uh sort of escape pod or something like that and um but yeah so there's some cool moments throughout it as well and there's some women that have really embraced the fact that there's no men and uh like an amazonian type culture as hell been- yeah I um and um they they cut off one boob uh, because it's easier to balance your bow and arrow with apparently with one boob. Like I, I mean, I mean, I'm assuming there must be some fact there. I didn't go and ever Google that, but like, oh well, um, yeah, it's when you pull your bow uh, back, you don't have any, yeah. you don't have any resistance anymore. Yeah, maybe maybe, maybe that's the case, but um, <laughs> but and um and also Yorick Brown, who is the last man, his mum becomes president. Yeah, so it's a, it's a great, it's a great uh series obviously well, i think i think fx messed up a little bit uh because they did release the cast list and there is another man's name on the cast list i was like hey it's supposed to be why the last man come on one guy there's supposed to be one guy there's already another yeah, guy but, yeah but it might be that it might be that they don't drop the bomb like that the yeah so like in the so with comics obviously you get to the whole you get the whole premise of the first issue mm-hmm. it could be that we don't get it until maybe the end of the first episode so maybe he could meet a few other men so you know you could have some male friends and uh maybe they do it a bit differently maybe one of the maybe he finds it maybe like his best friend dead or something like that so they tend to do that like even if you look at the walking dead um i've forgotten his best friend rick's best friend um shane 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 yeah so shane gets killed off at the end of season two but in the graphic novels he gets killed off at the end of the first graphic novel so he and the graphic novels didn't, didn't get to the farm um which happened in season two so yeah i guess they always play around with these little things i don't think you're going to have another man in the show like ongoing so or they could embrace the thing that we always criticize flashbacks they could could be doing some of that so we'll see in september we'll see so let's (laughs) bring uh the news of the week to a close and we will discuss our one and only review this week which we say it like that because it's only it's 12 issues that we reviewed it was hefty (laughs) sweet tooth the deluxe edition book one by Jeff Lemire, who wrote and drew, and the colors are by Jose Villarubia. Yeah, there you go. Need the translator out. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, just a little bit of background on on the, this series. It was originally published in two thousand nine, and the original run concluded with issue forty, which was a double sized issue, and that was two thousand thirteen, January twenty thirteen. The sequel series, which is called Sweet Tooth, The Return, uh, started a brand new run, which is set 300 years after the events of the first arc. Um, That one started recently, uh, well, fairly recently. It started in November 2020, Mm. uh, currently on issue six right now. So that one is ongoing. 
And way back in 2018, way, way back in 2018, um, it was announced that Hulu had optioned the comic series to, to bring to Hulu. However, that kind of all fell apart. And in April of 2020, it wound up on Netflix instead. So Netflix is where we're going to be tuning in next week for episode 54, where we're covering the Netflix series, which is eight episodes. And that's actually coming out June 4th as well. So Jeff Lamar, who's the, the creator of this book, just who, who is he? So he's a comic book writer and illustrator, born and raised on a farm in Essex County in Canada, known for a variety of work, including his Essex County trilogy. Uh, he's done a lot of Marvel and DC, Extraordinary X-Men, Moon Knight, Old Man Logan, uh, over across at DC, Superboy, Animal Man. I've not read that, actually, Animal Man, but I've heard a lot of good things about it. Justice League Dark. Um, again, Green Arrow, which I've... Actually, I did read Green Arrow. I read Green Arrow with him. Um, Black Hammer for Dark Horse. Again, I've read I read the first volume or two of that. I really enjoyed it. And um, Descender and Plutonia for Image Comics. I've read both of those as well. Actually, I've not read all of Descender, but I've read a good chunk of it. And um, I have read his Bloodshot Reborn, though, at Valiant Comics, which was amazing. So there's a lot of things that he's done. And, you know, honestly, I would really recommend pretty much anything I, I know i've not read everything that he's he's done um but i would i'd fully recommend this um, have you have you either of you two read anything else of his before we jump into talking about sweet tooth uh i don't think so descender is something that's been on my like amazon wish list forever and i still have not bought it for myself but uh i don't think i've read any jeff lamar before what about you Steven? yeah uh, just bloodshot just bloodshot yeah bloodshot's really good i really enjoyed that so um, I remember reading yeah. Plutonia just li- literally in one sitting. Um, it's quite a while back now that I read it. I think I read it when it first came out. So, um, what would be interesting is just obviously. So we've read twelve issues of this of this book, and I I read it all in one sitting. I literally couldn't stop reading it. I was just so intrigued by the story. Without actually jumping into the story right now, just initially, like, what did you did you both read it in one sitting, or did you break it up a little bit, or how did how did you go about reading it? I ended up reading it all in in one go as well. Um, it took me a little bit to get into the art. So I, yeah. I did the thing that sometimes I find myself doing where I'm only reading the text bubbles and I'm not paying attention to the art at all. So mm. then I had to stop myself and I started over. Um, but yeah, so the story really, really pulled me along immediately, but I read it all in, in one go. Thankfully, um, I have Comixology Unlimited and right now Sweet Tooth, at least this original run of Sweet Tooth is part of the Unlimited library. So basically I just kind of borrowed it, check it out from the library and then check it back in when you're done. So. That was nice to to get to read it for quote unquote free. Well, yeah. So yeah. So I I read book one on the uh, Kindle Unlimited because I, I just signed up I signed up for Kindle Unlimited the other day actually when I wanted to read something else. Um, so I just read that, but I did see that uh, the book two and the book three are not in Kindle Unlimited. I don't know if you saw that with your Comicology. Are they not included or just this one or book two and book three are, but the return oh, okay. the second series from the recent series is not okay um what about you Stephen? did you read it digitally as well uh yeah just because i just have a quick around but uh yeah i um i that's the thing about the story is it's it's simple um yeah not meaning it doesn't have any twists or turns but um that's something that 
he just writes a very linear kind of uh, simple story. And I think that that, I think that works really well, especially with the backdrop of a complicated uh, world and, and uh, so much going on. So there's definitely obviously world building and they use flashbacks quite well in the second arc. So the, the 12 issues are split into three, three arcs. So the first, it's kind of like an introduction to your main characters, which is Jeopard and obviously Sweet Tooth. And there's a few, couple of other people in there that are no, you know, notable characters, but those the, the first the first arc is pretty much Sweet Tooth and Jeopard, and it's the journey to the preserve. And the second arc is Sweet Tooth being at the preserve, and we get to see Jeopard's backstory. And then the the third arc is really just one issue which is called the sing tapes and it kind of gives you some backstory on on the world and how we kind of got got to this post-apocalyptic world so to jump back a bit so this whole world is post-apocalyptic it's set after an event that happened it's wiped out a lot of humans oh no a book about a pandemic that came out of nowhere and was killing (laughs) okay sorry (laughs) i mean yeah but this is a far you be snarky well, uh, yeah. no. I mean, I mean, there's obviously a lot of material out there like that, and um, yeah, yeah. So, I know. I think uh, I'm just like hypersensitive to it now after COVID, where it's like, oh, great! I picked up another comic book that talks about a pandemic. This is lovely. Um, I know, yeah. but I mean, there's big differences in, the, in know, this book between between the real world, like so. Um, yeah. In the in the, in the real world, nobody turns into hybrid animals or. Uh, yeah. So anyway, so in the comic, there, there has yeah. been a, there has been a pandemic, and it has wiped out a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, obviously, society very much like The Walking Dead has come to a you yeah. know is kind of rebooted. You've got clusters of humans in different places. In fact, actually, there's even just complete silence and emptiness in a lot of the places as well. They can like there was a scene where Sweet Tooth goes into someone's house, uh, you know, just just able to go in and obviously finds a dead body upstairs and the difference here with another walking dead there's no zombies to be afraid of here mm. he can just walk in without having to worry about clearing the house because so sweet tooth is nine years old and i did think a lot of the things that this nine-year-old did were extremely brave especially for the fact that he spent nine years hiding in the woods very naive and I, this actually did make me think of it's almost like a coming of age story but with an apocalyptic setting mm-hmm. so it, it, there's a lot of naivety at the beginning and where the story ends I wouldn't say he's grown up massively by the time the book ends, but he's very much become aware of people like humans and the world that he's in, where before his dad gave him rules, like, and there was five rules. I can't remember every single one of those rules now, but one of them was about not leaving the forest. Mm -hmm. And we're literally by the end of like the second issue, he's broken all all five rules, Um, which I, 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 I thought that obviously this is where, if you think about a lot of the stories when you read them and watch them where you kind of enter a world like this, like you kind of enter it at the point where something goes wrong for one of these characters. Yeah. So we enter it at the point where the dad is becoming very ill and it's, you know, he keeps trying to educate his son that look when I'm going to go soon, you know, and you know, he's like, you know, when I go, you've got to stick to my rules and that kind of thing. And literally the dad dies and within like probably like half an hour, like it all starts going wrong for him. And I, so when these two guys rock up and, and try to get him and then they get killed and we meet Jeopard, 
instantly I was like, no, you can't trust this guy. Like, it came across as, it was a bit borderline. Like, you know, I, I was a bit like, there's clearly something about him that is trustworthy, but also there's something about him that's massively untrustworthy. Yeah. Well, your presence uh, like, at that exact moment was just too. There's. I mean, that that couldn't possibly have been a coincidence. Like you yeah, had to have been yeah. watching the kid, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. They, oh, yeah. Well, we, we don't know. I guess what what had been happening for him to also be there at that time was he following these two jerks? You know, mm-hmm. thinking maybe if they've got a lead for someone of these hybrid people. Yeah. We don't know what his thing was, and then he you spend sort of five issues with these two building up a relationship and although it was kind of clouded by him in my, my view is that he kind of had like an ulterior motive throughout those first five issues however there was definitely some bonding moments especially like as they're traveling and they find um uh like the prostitutes in the house mm-hmm. and, and stuff like that and and sweet tooth says that he wants him to go back and kind of help the ladies upstairs and initially jeff was like Oh, you know, I just want to get on, but then you see the look in his face, and and that that made me think. Look, he, it, it sort of feels like there's an ulterior motive here for him, but also it feels like to me that there's a good side about him. Like, yeah. and and he's obviously conflicted between himself. And I did enjoy reading this, and I I was really I think you know what? I think that first arc I really was pulled in, and I but I'm glad that we got to the preserve by the end of the sort of the fifth or sixth issue. Cause I was thinking, I don't want this to be one of these things that like, you know, it takes 30 issues to get to the preserve. Like I didn't want this to be, you know, walking dead, walk, walking dead, yeah, woods. walking dead, wandering <laughs> through the woods. Like, and actually he doesn't do that. He gets you there pretty quickly now because yeah. we're going to watch season one next week or I don't, I'm hoping that season one isn't just them getting to the preserve by episode eight. <sighs> who knows like tvs take some you know tv might have a very different approach so i will say um, when i first saw the trailer for that for the netflix show i was not at all interested in whatever it was supposed to be about like i was just like this doesn't look like anything i would enjoy so if we had not read this comic i would have had no interest in watching sweet tooth yeah, well, I mean, before we talk about the second arc, I mean, Stephen, have you got any thoughts on the first, like the first arc, sort of the journey, Jeopard meeting um, Sweet Tooth and, and sort of the journey and what were your thoughts just reading that first arc? Yeah, um, so, okay, I, <clears throat> um, I'll start with the things I, I like. I, I think that there's a lot of originality in the story and um, it, it offers a lot of heart and like some, some really compelling moments between him and Jeopard, uh, Sweet Tooth and Jeopard. And um, yeah, and I, I like the world. Um, I think it's, um, I think it's a original, a very original take on the post-apocalyptic plague. Um, the thing, the things that I wasn't wild about, one is like you introduce the concept of these hybrid people and that is setting up for some whimsy um and there's no whimsy in this none, story none it's so that it's to so me, that didn't match <laughs> anything else right like i yeah. y- you put it into words where i couldn't i was like i don't <laughs> understand why i am not more like why am i more sympathetic toward jeopard than i am towards sweet tooth and it was just kind of like yeah. th- there's no there's nothing for else for me to connect to other than like this kid just has a really tragic backstory yeah. Well, and it's the truth of it is I enjoyed reading it um, a lot, but the, it just, there were things that just uh, annoyed me, if I'm being honest. And so when you're 
when you're consuming entertainment, some things are objectively good and some things you just like, you know what I mean? And this is not objectively bad. Right. Uh, there were things about it that really frustrated me though, as like with my life experience. So like, and I, I don't want to change it too far, but like, and, sorry, are we meant to just be like, I don't want to get into the art if we're going to get into the art later. Oh yeah, we're going to talk um, about the art. I'll talk about, we'll, okay. we'll go through the story and then talk about the art yeah. towards the end. So it relied on some cliches and cliches in when you're writing um, a story like this can be helpful and you can intentionally incorporate those as a shorthand so that you're not spending your whole time establishing these expected things. But I'm, I, I've got to tell you, I'm very tired of the ignorant, backwoods, high, like heavily religious, um, just just ignorant to the dirt mm-hmm. character. I hate that character. It's the laziest interpretation of that archetype. It's been done a million times. And um, it's typically done in a post-apocalyptic world. And the reason you do that is to juxtapose their faith against reality. Mm-hmm. If, you, if the world turns out like this, then your faith can't be true. And that's fine if that's your worldview and that's what you that's one of the things you want to communicate with your story that's totally okay but i i think it's a lazy shorthand sometimes i had no empathy for his father Mm-mm. i didn't like his father um the things his father told him i immediately dismissed and i would have been totally okay just starting the story with sweet tooth in the cabin looking at his dead father having never not not revisiting him through flashbacks mm-hmm. not seeing him at all uh he didn't add anything to the story for me and some of those other cliches come back in other, in other ways. Uh, Jeopard, um, one of the things I like about Jeopard is that he plays into that, uh, you know, the tough guy with a heart of gold cliche. But what I, by contrast to the father, he, he has some unexpected moments. Yeah. Like before his turn, before he embraces, okay, uh, something's got to change in me. Before he embraces that, he makes some good decisions. Um, and that's usually it's more of a anyway. So they he he insinuated some depth to to Jeopardy that I liked. Um, but it was so weird yeah, to me part- how he didn't how he put so much into Jeopard, like into into building that character versus yeah. the father who shaped the entirety of Sweet Tooth, like his his being pretty much. Like I, I don't understand how you how you make the, him such a throwaway character yet. I don't know, like you had the depth to make Jeopard this character that everyone could automatically and immediately like give a shit about versus yeah. versus a lot of the other characters are just kind of like. Well, well I think I, will... I was going to say, yeah. like, I think within the 12 issues, I think like I think like I said at the beginning, a lot of the time when you have a story like this, you get interjected at a certain point in their life. Mm-hmm. And this is the point where he now loses his father. So mm-hmm. we, got, we got maybe, I don't know, 10 pages of him and the dad. Mm-hmm. And that and that kind of is enough. I don't think I, I don't particularly care about knowing much more about the dad. However, with one thing I would assume is we've not read, you know, the deluxe book two and three. And although right. there was a bit of a flashback with the dad towards the end of this book in the second arc, um, and, and and we'll talk about the second arc in a minute. But they do allude to the fact that the dad may potentially know more about Sweet Tooth. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I wouldn't think that the dad's completely gone. But however, in this first twelve issues. We don't really get to know a lot about the dad. So, Stephen, did you uh, ever yeah. see The Double All the Time on Netflix? No. Okay, it was a horrible movie. Don't watch it. Um, but <laughs> okay. so when when I was the the first part of this book, the first six issues, which is the the first arc that we're talking about, 
it reminded me so much of devil all the time that was one of those movies it was set in like backwoods kentucky with hyper religious family members that are trying to impart these things onto their children but basically it it all kind of just revolves around ignorance and both of the parents wind up dead the kid is left having to arrange his life after having buried both of his like it was the it, it was too much and and my my issue with devil all the time was it was so bleak Bad thing after bad thing after bad thing after bad thing kept happening in that film. And when I was reading the first part of this book, that's the feeling that I started to get. And if I hadn't gotten this deluxe edition that moved on to the next arc, I don't think I would have picked up volume two because the first volume to me just felt like it was on the track to be like, well, that was shitty. Oh, well, that was terrible. Like, oh, that was not good. Like, is anything good going to happen to these people as they're trying to get to the uh, uh, the preserve or wh- wherever they're trying to go? And it's just like, I really am just not interested. If this is going to sit here and put me in a mood where I don't want to do anything for the rest of the night, like, I don't want to keep reading. Thankfully, it did turn around, but it, it I thought that the, the first yeah. arc, it, while I did like Jeopard, but like the first arc to me was the weakest because it, it just seemed so desolate and desperate and like nothing good was ever mm-hmm. going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. But that he did the one thing, I, one of the things I liked that he does do a good job of, of putting, um, some kind of blind optimism in Sweet Tooth because he's been so isolated, you know, mm. like, I mean, the fact that he trusts Jeopards right off, you know what I mean? Like, and, you know, there's a lot happening. He, he disobeys his father to leave the cabin and go with Jeopard. And that's significant for him because his whole world has been his father and his father's rules. He's right. never left that, that area, yeah. but he decides to trust Jeopard, which is like, so there's, there are elements to it that I like. I think for me, the father was the biggest missed opportunity because like, honestly, when he died, <clears throat> like, I don't know. I just never looked back. Um, and Jeopard is a payoff for the setup of the father. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like Jeopard, Jeopard is supposed to become that archetypical father figure. At least that's my assumption, you know, based yeah. on the first I think, I think there was some moments though, like where Jeopard and, and Sweet Tooth did have a, yeah, almost like father son type moments. Like I mean, oh, yeah. and even even to the point where when they did, did get attacked and and Sweet Tooth saved his life, and mm-hmm. yeah, he said like yeah. my dad showed me what to do. And and when while he was sleeping, <laughs> which I thought was quite funny, was he ate all of his chocolate. Like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, and he and he started referring to, and he said, I know like you're half. He said you should have been half pig or something like that. And like <laughs> you know, and and, he, and and he referred to him as pig a couple of times. And I thought you know, there's some quite nice sort of yeah. moments here. Like and um. I definitely did enjoy um, that sort of relationship between all of them, and I was yeah, it was it was interesting to me just seeing it all and that that those five issues and and just just the bond between them all. And it, but it did feel like as we were going through those that first arc that it was something ominous was coming, and I did feel oh, like yeah. something something was definitely going to come and undo that relationship. And then when they got to the preserve, I guess we start going to talk about the second spoilers. Half now. <laughs> well no yeah they, so they yeah well we said at the beginning spoilers but yeah so they get to the preserve at the end of the first arc and you know the moment they arrive this is clearly not what he'd been hoping for so the preserve is kind of what he'd set up as a like a, a peaceful place that so there's all hybrids there humans they all live in peace together and there'd been a little moment earlier when they'd been at the brothel and the the ladies there didn't 
seem to really know too much about it and they kind of were saying that he was lying and that kind of thing so when we get to the preserve he sweet tooth kind of was already a bit like this doesn't really look right and then mm-hmm. they t- he takes him up to the gates and um well he gets brought in by gunmen and then uh jeffrey just suddenly doesn't give a shit basically he just says look i want what you promised me and they hand him a bag and leave and, I, and he leaves and i was a bit like no yeah i was like there can't possibly be any money in that bag because there is no economy anymore like what the hell could be so important to you that you would betray this kid that way yeah (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah like yeah i was i was a bit like you i was like well they what what would be the point in a bag of money like Mm -hmm. and then so i assumed it wasn't a bag of money because i thought well money will have no value now like you know in a when society has been destroyed it's you know, you enter into sort of, I guess, what it was historic, like a barter system, you know, like I'll mm-hmm. have two can- two gallons of beans for a bottle of whiskey or vice versa. Well, you actually see that barter well, system when he gets yeah. to that other town. Yeah. So, yeah. so, so money is fairly useless, but then, so then sort of the, from here on for the rest of the, the deluxe book, actually Sweet Tooth and Jeopard actually go in separate trails. So, um, Anyway, what were you guys' thoughts really with the twist where, it, I don't know if it was a great twist, but it was a twist that obviously <laughs> Jeopard betrayed Sweet Tooth. Like, Stephen, what did you think? Uh, I that's I think that's one of the strongest point, parts of the story. Um, when they get into Jeopard's uh, motivation overall, uh, mm. I, the things that I find interesting um, are, it's, first of all, that he goes through with it. Um, because, you know, a lot of times you build to that moment and then the change of heart happens then because that's the climax. You know what I mean? That's the most tense moment. Um, and then there's a, you know, a gunfight and they, they blast their way out and he, ah, sorry, kid, yada, yada. Yeah. <laughs> but um, the fact that he went through with it just showed you like, okay, he did that because he's broken, like completely broken. Yeah. And like the fact that, okay. So like you guys were talking about the potential for currency and there's no currency, but like, um, taking a duffel bag that would normally in any other story be money mm-hmm. and replacing it with bones is a pretty powerful uh, yeah. parallel to say like dust, like nothing. That's yeah. what he has. He has nothing. So, and then, you know, him taking it with him and not looking back, it's like, he's fatalistic at this point. Like the, his aspirations for this world are so low. That it's not that he doesn't care if people get hurt. It just doesn't matter. You know what right. I mean? And uh, I thought that was a pretty strong way to, to communicate that. I thought they did that part really well because, like I said, I knew it couldn't have been money in the bag, but it never occurred to me that, well, but, you know, they hadn't gotten to the part about his backstory in the first place, but it never occurred to me that there could be a person's body in the bag. Yeah. Um, mm. So the whole time he, he's making his way back to his old house, I, in my head, I'm like, okay, whatever is in this bag has to be really, really important because you could see how much it actually hurt him to leave Sweet Tooth there. Like, yes, he wanted what was in that bag. That was very clear. But at the same time, he did not want to leave that kid there with those military people. Yeah, you could see that. He, yeah, you, it was all over yeah, his face. And so, it, yeah. yeah, when he finally opens the bag and we get his backstory, I was like, oh my God. Like, okay, I, I understand. I understand where that's coming from. But I thought it was really good storytelling because, like you said, Stephen, normally you're so used to the, the bad guy decides right before he does the bad thing that I'm not going to do this bad thing anymore. I'm sick of your shit. Um, and then they change before, like, before the event happens. Whereas in Jeopard's case, yeah. he, he goes 
all like he literally sees the whole thing through that he sees through the promise that he made about uh his wife he sees through the the deal that he made with the militia and after only after all of those conditions have been met does he finally have his i'm about to fuck somebody up moment and <laughs> it, that that is the only reason that i would continue reading this story is because i want to see shepherd on his rampage of trying to find some semblance of like redemption now normally i am not a fan of the redemption arcs especially for <laughs> men who do horrible things that always get these redemption arcs i'm looking at you three billboards um but you're gonna but, say us no was, no no whoa whoa, whoa. <laughs> <I'll say that. laughs> no. i'm looking um, at you all can see them yeah, no. three, three, <laughs> three billboards outside of ebbing missouri that movie really pissed me off anyway uh but I I am so ready for Jeopardy to go and kick someone's teeth in. Like I'm definitely oh, yeah, like ready for that to play out. So by well, the end of the book, when Jeopard like actually does go through that whole yeah thing that that almost like that crisis. So so with Jeopard, it's almost like so we go through his backstory, and so we don't know obviously what led him to find Sweet Tooth because we should we see him getting kicked out. Um, we, in in the flashback, so he was at the preserve beforehand. We see him getting kicked out, and then he goes on his journey. We don't know what the gap was from that to him going, because obviously the bag he's handed is a bag of bones, rather than yeah, like no, clean bones, no yeah. flesh, no hair, no nothing, just bones. So we don't know. So we don't know if it's been years or, or what's happened, but um, I assume it's probably not more than two or three years. But so anyway, during so what happens with Jeopard is basically he gets his bag, he takes it to his old house, which I don't know how long it's been, uh, and he sort of says something along the lines of, you know, I promise I'd always take you home and and various thing, um, buries the body, and we find out that it was his wife. And then he kind of goes off to some kind of encampment, you know, where a sort of society started, restarted, where everyone's sort of, I guess, bartering and yeah. really horrible, basically just low lives. And, you know, law is gone and, you know, chaos ensues as it always does. Well, there's there's kind of a, a mechanism of, oh, I don't know, you know, government there, I guess, which is not, not like a true government. I imagine it's not that you really get too much into this society there, but I imagine it's probably more like a dictatorship there and it's kind of run by, you know, not money, but guns and, and whatever the Bartering. Kind of, you can't bartering, even get yeah. into the community unless you have something to trade. So he yeah. trades his horse and his rifle to yeah, get they, through the doors. They weren't interested in the horse though. So like, they <laughs> I guess because maybe there's a lot of people that just go there because they've had enough, you know, like I'm going to go there, drink myself to death and, you know, and that's basically what he tries to go through. He deliberately starts to fight and then and we go through these chain of events of flashbacks and we, you know, over the second arc and we get to see his wife and actually kind of thinking about Jupiter's legacy, I became really interested in the flashbacks of what was going on with him and his wife and I was equally interested in what was going on with Sweet Tooth. But during the second arc, I became much more interested in what was going on with Jeopard. I don't know if you two both felt the same, but I was really getting pulled into these flashbacks. Well, that's because really Jeopard well. is the meteor character. Sweet Tooth is too yeah. naive to have too compelling of a story without someone yeah. else there to pull you along with him. So Sweet Tooth by himself is not enough. But mm. when Sweet Tooth and Jeopard are together, then that makes for a, a, a much better story. So yeah, Jeopard was definitely way more compelling in the second part to me. I probably would say overall, yeah. though, Sweet Tooth does need somebody else to make it a much more interesting story. Yeah. Like on, on his own, he isn't. But then that's not the I fault see, of the character. The point, though, like, he, right? like he's that's not, the point of the character. He's yeah, supposed he's to be boy, this naive, yeah. innocent nine year old kid that doesn't know any better, essentially. And it's really hard to build 
that character as your main character if they don't have someone that can help them navigate that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so with the flashback for Jeopard, we get to see like him and his wife. Well, actually, it goes all the way back that he was a hockey player and and obviously had a violent temper even back then. And he gets home and he says to his wife, "Did you see the game?" And she she doesn't even care because obviously the news is starting to show the world falling off a cliff. And um and and you know they, they, he sort of says about leaving the house, you know, him and his wife and going looking for food. And there's all these senses. And you know I've been saying this to my wife for years. Every single thing you watch or read where it's apocalyptic, everybody makes the same mistake. They leave the house. Like, <laughs> just wait. Like, just wait it out. Like, you know, like, you know, like, let all the other morons leave their houses. And then, when, and then if you stay in your house, you should be living in a house full of loads of empty houses and you can nickel their food when they're gone. Like, you know, and like, uh, I mean, let everybody else just go and wander the woods and, you know, go, go to the, oh, the government has set up all these encampments, uh, you know, in the big cities. Of course they have. Like, what, what stupid decision. I think the thing like? is, though, people feel oh. like you're going to be trapped. Like, if I'm in my house, I, you know, if, if somebody came, by like what would i do i have nowhere to go well yeah that's the only thing that probably would concern me necessarily is if i was in my house on my own and all my neighbors leave and everybody leaves and like for instance if i say stepped out of here there's like 20 30 houses around me and everyone's gone and i'm the only house with a light on and yes okay some nut jobs wander past my house and they see a light on i'm an instant target if all my neighbors leave and yes it would be safer to be in these camps or whatever but Maybe I just need to go and say to all my neighbours, don't listen to the news. <laughs> like, pre- preemptively go up to your neighbours, Mark, and be like, look here, if there's an apocalypse, let's make a pact, okay? Don't leave. Don't yeah, leave. But, Stay here. But I can't see people really leaving, in all honesty. I can't really see people just deciding to jump in. The- honestly, it's so foolish. Either jump in the car, end up on the boat away or Mark, highway away. I promise oh, yeah. you. People oh, yeah. will leave. Okay, when we had a Category 5 hurricane headed right for us this was back when i was in college people left people left people got stuck on highways people ran out of gas on highways people leave they are always always going to leave people do not want to stick around for stuff like that um, anyway well i don't know I, I i basically they 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 leave their house they go on a journey however much we want to argue about this they go on a but wonder- they were trying to get to chicago because uh the the he was like look because the wife wanted to stay she was like no this is our home yada 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 and uh he was like no no no. look they're they're building up all this stuff in chicago he said look when everything falls apart when there are no more police when there are no more medics when there are no more hospitals all of those resources are going to be in chicago we're not going to have any help here by ourselves so we have to go where they're going and so that was that was how he convinced her to finally leave with him Obviously, they did not make it to Chicago. Uh, and then they go through. So you see, you see them sort of staying in encampments and, and living on the streets. And mm-hmm. they even make a reference about not, you know, getting close to other people because those people die anyway. And then she drops a clangor that she's pregnant. Like, I mean, obviously, of all the times, end up pregnant, like living on the streets and you know all the rest of it. Just, it's not a good time. Not a good time to get pregnant. I'm sure, like in the real world, you know, that's probably happened to many a person as well. But oh, yeah, I'm sure we yeah. got a lot of COVID babies coming up real soon. <laughs> no, I mean, I meant, I meant more homeless people. I'm sure, like, I'm sure there's 
people in those situations who are all you know dire straits like you know not no real income suddenly end up getting pregnant i'm sure that happens in the real world too but when she said i've got something to tell you and i was like what, what? i like i didn't actually think it was gonna be that like and then she, i thought she was gonna say something along the lines of she'd had enough like as soon as she wasn't eating i was like Mm-mm, she's pregnant she's pregnant <laughs> And sure and, um, enough, she was. I, I thought she was going to say something like she'd had enough and wanted to go home. That's what I thought mm-hmm. she was going to say. Like, and then she said, "I'm pregnant." I was like, "Wow, okay." And then obviously we've had this whole build-up that people are having babies that are like hybrids. So I was like, ah, "Okay," uh, I was like, "This is this is starting to maybe make a little bit of sense connecting with that dead body." But I still didn't see where exactly we were getting with that. But I'm uh, really, I'm, I'm not convinced because this is comics after all. And if you don't actually see yeah, the body, uh, is she true. really dead? Is their kid really dead? I don't know. Uh, I don't know. It's true she, too, yeah. she looked very dead on like the, <laughs> in the bed that she was in in that makeshift hospital. But that doesn't say much. Like she could have just been exhausted and passed out or something. But like, I don't know. I guess I guess the only way to find out is to keep reading, right? But mm-hmm. that was that was my thing when I was reading. I was like, mm, I don't trust Abbott, not one bit. He's, <laughs> he's the militia guy that's running this camp. Like, I don't trust this guy at all. And I'm I'm convinced. Again, I have not read, but I'm convinced that he lied to Jeopard and that Jeopard's wife, very much like in the boys when they told uh, Billy that his wife was dead. I don't think that his wife is dead. No, I don't know. Yeah, it's summer. true though, because they you never they they basically say that they because they, they do it in a one liner. So also to, to to so you can understand what happened. Obviously, Jeopard and his wife come across the preserve people who come across very nice, and they basically spin Jeopard and his wife the lie that Jeopard ends up spinning to well a slightly different lie, but to Sweet Tooth. So they spin Jeopard and his wife a lie that they've got this society and they've got schools and all the rest of it, blah yeah. blah. And then um, so they're like, oh, okay, okay. So they, they go along with them. It's all sitting there like you don't have to come along with us. And I and even I thought, nah, if they turned around and walked away, they'd make them come. Like they 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 would hands down make them get in that car. So but they were like, Yeah, yeah, let's go. She's like, Oh yeah, I'm well, she was the... at that point she was very pregnant. I mean, she had yeah. to have been at least eight months pregnant already. And she just looked at Jeopard and she was like, I am tired. <laughs> like, I am tired of doing the camps, I am tired of being on the streets and sleeping outside. Like, I am tired. Can we please go with these people? And um, and then when they arrive. He's knocked out, locked up in a cage. She, she's obviously taken off somewhere else, and mm-hmm. he's in a cage for some time. And and eventually gets out. And yeah, some he he one of the basically one of the guards lets him out, and he he does eventually get all the way to his wife. However, he's he's sort of knocked out again. Comes to outside the cage, uh, outside the hole of the perimeter of the hole of the preserve, and um. And then they say to him, like you just said, oh, they said, oh, your wife died and so did the baby. And I did think that was so throwaway, like yep. as in, go, like, go yeah. away, don't come back. Like, you know, and then they said, look, if you want any, if you want the body, go and find us some more hybrids and stuff like that. And I thought, okay, well, that's where the link comes to Sweet Tooth. But I, I actually think I'm thinking like you now, like I'm the fact that it was such a throwaway line is the baby and the mom still alive and like he never he he was there but he was not actually in the room like he was looking through the glass at her while she was in in labor um and for him to wake up outside of the fence completely that to me that screams like they've got they have to have some kind of leverage because there's no way that you send a guy like this back out into the world if you don't actually have something to hold over him. And even though at the time, like all 
Abbott offered was, I'll give you her body if you bring me what I want and that'll be a fair trade. I still feel like Abbott is smart enough to know that he needs to have an ace up the sleeve. Like, even if you give him some bones, like if this man comes back, then you you better have another card to play because you you already know he's going to come back and he's going to be wanting blood. Mm. Yeah. Honestly, one of the one of the things that I like best about it and actually surprised me the most was that Abbott was um, as capable as he was. Um, as yeah, he wasn't like a bumbling idiot. Yeah. yeah, I like dealing with Jeopard that first time because uh, they, they go to great lengths or hit, Jeff Lemire goes to great lengths to set up Jeopard is this very capable survivalist. Mm-hmm. Um, but Abbott is still able to to just deal with him physically, uh, yeah. which is like, I, w- I wasn't expecting that because when the setup, and I, I assume it was intentional, I don't know if it was or not, <clears throat> but the assumption is that Jeopard has been contracted to go right. do something because he, <clears throat> pardon me, because he's more, more capable than Abbott and his men. Right. It's like, you're, you're like a special forces. You go do this thing that we can't do. But then when he, when they show in flashback um, that, that actually it's a, a pretty um, formidable uh, adversary that anyway, I thought that that was, that was a nice kind of uh, flip because it raises the stakes overall. Cause if right. Jeopard does come back, it's not going to be a simple walk in, right. get the kid and leave, you know? And that's what they, that's kind of what they insinuated when he did come back with Sweet Suit the first time. And everybody was like, we never thought we would see you again. But yeah. but to me, that should have been a red flag, like to the bad guys. If if I <laughs> am a bad guy and I killed your quote unquote killed your wife, and I tell you, go bring me someone else and I'll give you her bones. If that person came back, there is no way I would let them leave alive again. Yeah. I would not do yeah. it. I would not do it. And I think that's gonna be Abbott's biggest mistake is that he yeah. let Jeopard go a second time. Well, and that's they they oh, it, it's interesting. I felt like Abbott's character kind of had this arrogance mm-hmm. to him that he is just always in control. Right. You know what I mean? And that that and I think that that kind of plays into what you just said that he's like this won't be a problem. I mean, right. he's just a guy. Uh, see, it will be though. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, well, it's about to be. Yeah. <laughs> So, so I was going to say during that second arc as well, though we we got to see some of Sweet Tooth in the preserve, and he met other hybrids. Um, and actually, I thought this was quite interesting. That it kind of made me think of um, uh, you know the rebooted Planet of the Apes when um, uh, I've forgotten the character's name. You know the the have you seen the rebooted Planet of the Apes with um, he gets sent in the cage in the Caesar. Yeah, Caesar. Yeah, yeah. Where Caesar gets sent to the cages, um, the government takes Caesar off of um, his owners, and he gets sent into the sort of the cages. And and most of the monkeys there are just really unintelligent, uh, except for one or two that have that can do sign language and stuff like that. So when Sweet Tooth goes into these cages, a lot of the hybrids there actually yeah. are very more like animal like mm-hmm. um, because they haven't had a, a decent upbringing, so they've kind of almost resorted to their more animal instincts. However, there's one or two of these hybrids that that are humanized uh there's a couple that are kind of like a bit like Groot like you know I am Groot kind of thing yes. like they're, they're, Bobby. They're, 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 <laughs> their language is very limited uh so however, throughout the second arc though we do get to see them kind of they don't 
cut Sweet Tooth up, which I think is where the people, you know, at the top would like to go with it. But the scientist does interview him a lot and picks his brains and eventually realises that there's something very different about Sweet Tooth, which actually they kind of been hinting at for quite a while mm. when they said this event happened seven years ago. And he keeps saying that he's nine. And initially it was kind of dismissed as maybe him and the dad got the ages wrong. But actually it's looking like he potentially is nine and he was a hybrid before the events happened, which I think is where like a you know, big, big question mark on the future. And of course. I'm, I'm sure I'm sure this will be resolved before the end of the third book. And yeah, I, I, I did quite like all of that. And they did do some flashbacks. And actually I have to say the flashbacks with the dad, I wasn't actually that interested in them. I didn't really yeah. care about it too much. I, I mean, I, 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 I can't see how you would have got particularly the answers necessarily because obviously he's nine and he couldn't remember back the details. And, and actually, he does even make a comment because they're asking him, what, what's your dad doing? And he's like, well, I'm a baby. I don't know. And I wouldn't have been able to read because I was a baby. Like, so, <laughs> yeah, but uh, then he also pauses and talks about how cute he was as a baby. I laughed uh, so hard for like five yeah. minutes. I had to stop reading because I was like, That's, that perfectly to me captures the mind of a an underdeveloped child right like mm-hmm. yeah. hold on man look look at me look at i was a baby i was cute hell yeah like <laughs> i just thought that was such a such a cute moment yeah so, no I, I i did enjoy that whole the whole the whole thing of seeing him trying to survive in the preserve mm. and but even the scientist who was interviewing him said to him look if you don't answer me and don't speak to me and and cooperate there's people out there that want me to chop you up so if you want to try and last and he passed time, by those chopped up bodies before he got there anyway yeah. so he saw it with his own eyes oh well, yeah if you want to last any length of time you've got to start speaking kid like and yeah. he did start cooperating because obviously like you all would if you're going to be told look if you don't cooperate literally you're going to get sliced and diced um well i'm gonna i'm gonna start speaking so, sing yeah. like a bird what do you want to know julianne or cube yeah well so, one, uh, so gone, you know. oh, you're muted. Yeah, they did. One thing that I, I thought was kind of interesting is a loose thread that they left with his dad because the, the fact that they visited that memory, even though they didn't get anything from it, mm-hmm. um, there was an, a subtle insinuation that there's more to his father than, than that very thin, flat character. So I'm curious how he plays into the overall story. Like if he if he knew knew what sweet tooth was or if he was a caretaker that was selected to kind of protect him i, th- I feel like there's a i feel like that he laid the groundwork for that to be a uh, a good part of the origin i actually yeah. think it has more to do with his mother like i think yeah. because he said he's never met his mother and she died during childbirth or whatever i think it's going to be another one of those stories sort of like because, and I only think this because Jeopard said it too many times in his backstory was I never should have been with a woman like her. I don't know why yeah. I wound up with a woman like her. I don't know how she loved me. Like she was way too good for me. I don't know how I got here. Um, and I think that's going to be the thing. I think Sweet Tooth's mom is going to be more the key than, than his dad. Since yeah. we finally actually saw well, a picture of her. Yeah. Well, and that, like the whole thing, him not having a belly button is kind of yeah. uh, adds to the whole, you know, um, or something like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's it's obvious that there is like an intentional mystery that that is yet to be revealed, at least to us, because we haven't read past the first twelve. But um, but you know, they, I almost I, don't care about how it all started. Like I, I think they did such a good job <laughs> yeah. of endearing Jeopard and the relationship between Jeopard and Gus or Sweet Tooth. I 
I almost don't care how the pandemic started and how how people started dying off. Like I just I really just want to see revenge. Like at this point, that's all I'm <laughs> that's all I'm interested in for the rest of this book is revenge. I think, I think it's interesting you said that because with with Robert Kirkman, he's always said with The Walking Dead, he never wants to reveal or say how the zombies came about because he said to me that's not interesting to me what's interesting is actually the survival story um and this is this story is covering both that survival story but also the mystery of what happened so i i really hope though when the mission as the mystery carries on that it actually pays off well it so, has to i mean yeah. uh, a cheating it has to because they did create a sequel that set at 300 years in the future so and the sequel is built around a clone of us so, oh, okay. so, so uh-huh. something happens well <laughs> i i i yeah okay i don't tell me anymore i i want to i want to read i want to read so um let's talk about the art which i know steven's um desperate to uh give us his viewpoints <laughs> on and, and i think the art though is i think it is divisive the art by you know yeah. like in terms of you can look at it on different ways but i'd love to hear steven's thoughts on on the art yeah come on steven yeah. Well, so, <laughs> okay, so it, it's kind of, I'm going to go a little deep for a minute, okay? Um, just to give you, like, background on me as a as a person, I grew up wanting to, to draw and write comics, like, and I, from the time I was nine until I was 32, I went to comic conventions every summer, showed my portfolio, took criticism, went back home almost thought about quitting because the criticism was so scathing. (laughs) I remember one of my heroes just completely trashed my portfolio and I more than once, and he wasn't trying to be a jerk. He was just being honest because I was way behind where I needed to be if I wanted to be professional, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I went through years of that, the gauntlet of trying to be a comic artist. If you've ever aspired to be a comic artist, especially when I was growing up, um, man, there are, there's so many barriers. Um, And the biggest barrier is your craftsmanship. Um, You hear the same things over and over, your anatomy, your perspective, foreshortening, composition, these staples of uh, fine illustrative capabilities. And um, it's like, so it's hard for me because I go into every comic I read looking to be, looking for someone that's better than me Mm -hmm. that, and this is jealousy. It's just, it's just straight up jealousy. I I mean, when I see art, that is nowhere near where I even am, they took my spot. Um, And that's not, that's not, you know what I mean? That's not a a fair assessment. It's not because like Jeff Lemire busted his tail to do all of this, but like, okay. uh, If you've read the first 12 issues, Wendy, when Wendy shows up, um, that design is is so lazy. Uh, Her nose doesn't look anything like a pig nose. It is just a circle with two dots. If you've ever looked at a pig nose, that's not what a pig nose looks like. You know what I mean? The, 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 there are times in the story where the art, like Jeff Lemire shows that he can draw to a certain standard, but he doesn't. And it's like, I understand man. the benefit of this approach, this simple hyper stylized approach is that it is built for animation. Like I'm immediately reminded of uh, MTV Oddities, the the big headed guy, um, yeah. Where it is one of the ugliest cartoons you've ever seen, but it sticks with you. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like, when I am harsh on this artwork, it is 100% me. 
it's, it's my preference. It's my life experience, my jealousy, all of that bundled up. You know what I mean? Like when I see art like this though, my thought is, man, you had a deal with Vertigo, which was a DC comics imprint. All you had to do was go to your editor and say, Hey man, you know, give me an artist, like somebody who wants to be an artist. Like he took an artist slot for this. Okay, and the last thing I'll say is there are missed opportunities because of the art. Um, sweet tooth, one well-rendered, and I don't mean realistic, but well-rendered, well-lit, well-composed shot close-up of his face could have been really, in, it could have really done a lot to connect you to the character. But because never the whole time I was reading, that. I never once felt that that was a nine-year-old boy that I was looking at ever. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, and the proportions, and there are other, there are other things, but my biggest complaint is it's pretty consistent but there are moments of just like, he didn't do reference, general reference, like looking up what a, what a pig nose looks like. You know what I mean? And I'm harping on that one example, but it, it's other places. So it, for me, it's very difficult for me to read a story like this with this level of art and not be taken out of it. Uh, but again, that's me, you know what I mean? So if the art had been really, uh, if I had felt like there was a lot of care in it and like a lot of respect in it, then, the, you know what I mean? I would have enjoyed the, the whole thing a lot more. Um, but it's, you know, we all have our, we all have our one thing that punches us in the stomach <laughs> and that's, that's mine. So this is why we pay you the big bucks of zero bucks, <laughs> but we pay you the big bucks to come on here and talk comics. I always like when you have a, a completely different perspective on the artwork, because my take was so simplistic. Like the first few pages, I was like, this is ugly. And, and that's why I said, when I first started reading the book, I was literally just reading the bubbles and I wasn't paying attention to the artwork whatsoever because it, it didn't move anything yeah. in me. And I was like, I can't read a graphic novel and not pay attention to the art. So um, yeah. yeah, but like simplistically, I, I literally was just like, this is ugly. Okay, next page. <laughs> I think though, like I think the art though, it does kind of what it needs to for this type of story. Like, and you know, I, yeah. I yeah, mean, it's, it's gritty and, and rough. And, and I think the art very much reflects the story. Mm -hmm. And would, would it work if we had, I don't know, like people we've talked about earlier? Would you Brian, want Joel Brian. Jones on this book? No. Oh, actually, that no, was something I was thinking about. <laughs> if you had Joel Jones on here, she would pull you away from the story, which is like, because her art uh, is just so good. Although, I would, I, I mean, Maybe we could maybe we could encourage Jeff Lamar to do a remix version and, and get someone to else illustrate. I'm sure he would really hate to have his artwork criticized. Um, as everybody hates as everybody hates criticism. Oh man, like, he's heard it. He's heard it a million times. If he's drawn comics, he's heard it a million times already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember exchanging some messages once with Mike Allred because his artwork is a, an acquired taste. And um, I remember reading an issue of FF. It was a long time ago, and I did say to him. Well, I've got to be honest. I said I don't normally enjoy your stuff. Like we were exchanging tweets and stuff. I said, however, having read this issue of FF, the story and your artwork went so well together. I said it's opened up my mind to your artwork. And even my camera did put his hands up, put like this on Twitter, and did say, look, my I know my work is an acquired taste. Like so, uh, yeah. I'm assuming Jeff Lamar must know that his artwork. It's probably an acquired taste, and mm. and there's probably some people that would probably look at this who are just oh no you know if I'm going to read a comic I only want to read good artwork good artwork 
honestly don't dismiss this this is a really good book and like don't let the artwork kind of put you off and i know i know it is it is divisive artwork and it isn't be- it isn't beautiful by any means this artwork is by this artwork kind of does reflect the bleak story that mm-hmm. we are reading and this artwork doesn't like if joel jones had illustrated this would it be as bleak and gritty and horrible? Probably not. So, about, I mean, but then again, I don't know. I've not really had her do anything apocalyptic, to be fair. She, you know, she might do apocalyptic really well. But I, I do think, <laughs> I do think, although the artwork and the story are bleak, and, and yeah, okay, I don't really enjoy, I mean, I think, you know, the way Sweet Tooth is drawn is really weird and ugly. And, um, yeah. But then, then maybe it's a really ugly world that they're in. So, um, I don't like know. I said, it, do, it does fit the story. I, I, I do think that. But I, I will say, I, I don't pick up comics just for the pictures. So I appreciate really good storytelling, especially in this medium, because I feel like it is easy to be lazy and rely on the art to do all of the work for you. But I, li- I'm, I shit you not, I literally opened this up and I was like. Ugh. This is ugly. Okay, I'm just going to keep going. Oh, yeah, actually, that's a good point. Though. How, how many times though, are you reading the comic where you're like, honestly, the artwork here is so good. Is it actually taking away from a terrible story? Like, you have to think, actually, it's what, <laughs> am, I, am, I, am I actually reading a good story or am I just reading a good well, pitch book? So, yeah. yeah. Well, um, and that's the that's where the art comes back around in this book because it's you can't break them apart in comics. You know what I mean? Yeah. They, they have to be they have to create a cohesive whole. And like for some people, like honestly, uh, like I said, it's my personal weak point as far as what I don't like about comics. I I think the art is very appropriate for the story Mm. and it tells you something about what he's trying to accomplish that he's not sweating certain things. I just happen to sweat those things as a, a, (laughs) you know what I mean? As somebody who reads it. So. So, I mean, we're kind of, try and bring this to a bit of a close i think overall we all enjoyed the story the artwork i think we're in the same place at, in terms of we didn't love it but we didn't hate it <laughs> um and just going around the the virtual room in terms of sort of not just ratings but would you recommend this to other people to read would you carry it on like Stephen, what, what are your thoughts would you would you recommend this to somebody else would you carry on with it yeah, man. It's funny. When I'm recommending, I, I always try and keep the person I'm talking to in mind. Mm-hmm. For, for yeah, someone yeah, who's looking yeah. for, yeah, for somebody who's who's looking for just a unique take on this style story, then yeah. Um, I mean, it's it, it has style, it has personality, and it has some unique uh, concepts. So yeah, I would definitely, I would definitely recommend it to the right person. Um, uh, and, and what about rating, rating story and, um, and art? Uh, for me, it's a three. Um, it's you know what I mean. There were well, three sto- stories, three and art three for you. What's that? <laughs> so the so the writing. Is oh yeah, three, yeah. Three. Oh well, if I if I were to break it up, I would yeah. I would probably give the the writing a three and a half. Um, okay, that's that probably feels harsh, but um, and then a the art really um, like a, a two two and a half. Oh, okay, so two and a half for the art and a three and a half for the writing. Uh, and what about you, Jasmine? Uh, start with the recommending. Uh, I'm going to hold off and see how this Netflix series plays out because if the series can do a better job of endearing at least Sweet Tooth to you, then I would recommend the series over the book. Uh, 
I, I don't know that I would recommend this book. It's, it's like Stephen said, you have to know, I mean, you have to be talking to the right people. Like there's mm-hmm. very few comics that I would recommend to people. Um, th- uh, as of right now, no, I would not recommend this book to, to anyone. Um, what I would rate it. Uh, I, I'm, I think, well, I, I think I would probably do maybe like a, a three on the art and I would probably do three and a half on the story. I really enjoyed the story. And okay. it felt familiar. So it, it was the, the buy-in was easy. I didn't feel like I needed to read up on any concepts or, or take a moment to put myself into this world. Um, so I did appreciate that the, the buy-in was very minimal because, because it felt like such a familiar story. Yeah, it definitely had some, yeah, as I was reading it, it's really weird. I kept thinking to myself, this reminds me of The Last of Us. Um, uh, only because uh, there's only moments when they're like on the horse riding through empty city blocks and stuff and then i started to think actually this might make a cool game and as i was reading it, i was like how would a game work if you were playing this would it be <laughs> I, I, no because i started to think would jeopard be the main character then really because obviously sweet tooth is a nine-year-old boy although it could be a bit like the last of us that you've got jeopard being the main character but maybe sweet tooth might get a part of the game here and there to themselves yeah. so um but in terms press. of sorry, press I'm sorry what? i was gonna say i was gonna say press x to bite <laughs> press <laughs> y to, to eat chocolate <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah i feel like sweet tooth would definitely be like princess peach like he he would not have very much <laughs> and you would spend like this whole game trying to go and get him from that castle so uh, in terms of my recommendations and ratings and things like that i i actually probably would recommend this a lot higher i terms of writing wise I'm, I'm up there i don't know i'd give it four and a half writing wise um art wise i'm I, I don't love this art i've got to be honest even a two and a half three something like that for me i'd put it there um i would recommend this to people like 100 i honestly really enjoyed this when i read this book i was like oh, i want to read the next one and when it wasn't available on kindle unlimited i was like oh <laughs> uh, and then I started to think, well, if I've got to pay for it, you know, I'm like, I'd rather just buy the, I'd rather buy a graphic novel, I'd rather rather than a hard copy, it. yeah, yeah, I'd rather buy a hard copy uh, than I would digitally. So then, it now, if I knew someone who liked stuff like Walking Dead, yeah, I would recommend this to that person. Uh, but like if I've been talking to someone about, I don't know, Batman or, or well, yeah, yeah, but Jones, that's different. Yeah. I'm not going to recommend it to, to well, that. so my, so my, like, I've been like, my dad, my dad, um, is in his 70s he loves comics like green lantern uh, superman uh like silver surfer those are always sort of favorites and i've been in comic shops with my dad before and i've tried to point out indies like this before to him and he's like no no he's like i know you like all that stuff he's like <laughs> i like i like superhero books like yeah. and um and that's fair. Uh, you know, yeah yeah no no so this isn't someone who who like if you're if you're solely focused on superhero books now this isn't for you but if you like things like even why the last man that we talked about earlier the walking dead that kind of thing if you've not read this definitely pick it up and it's made me actually really want to go and pick up more of jeff Lamar's stuff and you know descend as something we both talked about i've got it actually but i've just never read it so i'm really keen to to get to read more of his stuff to be honest as a writer Jeff Lamar really is someone I want to read more of his content. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily want to look at more of his artwork, but I <laughs> like, uh, like, but but however, this artwork did suit this story. So yeah, yeah, you know, I, I I've seen the artwork for the sender and it's lovely, and um, and it's not done by him; it's done by somebody else. So. Um, all right, we will close this off. But yeah, I'm keen to to carry on reading this at some point. I'll have to fit it into my 
to read list somewhere along the line but anyway there you go so next episode though we as we've covered off book one of sweet tooth we'll be turning our attention to the netflix series so in episode 54 you'll get to hear mine and jasmine's thoughts on the first eight episodes of sweet tooth and as a reminder don't forget we did start a second podcast series where we tackle some of the most essential graphic novels of all time our seventh late to the party book club was they call this enemy by george takei justin isinger and steve scott with the art by Harmony Becker. Now that episode was really well received. We've, we've gotten a lot of comments and a lot of dialogue. We even had somebody tell us that they listened to the podcast and picked up this graphic novel and it was the first graphic novel that they had ever picked up. Um, so that episode came out at the very end of May. We're taking a month off for June for our book club, but we will be back in July. And once we decide what we're covering, we'll let you know. Well, I think we know already, but we will confirm it soon. Um, follow us on social media, Geeks Unleashed everywhere, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Yeah, and don't forget, you can listen to the podcast on Podbean, Google, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, really anywhere that features podcasts. Uh, please listen, give us a five-star review, and share with any of your geeky friends. Um, we're, we're excited to meet them with a one-way conversation that is this podcast oh no you can have two-way conversations <laughs> on social media uh, <laughs> we're, we're like fun me, to talk to i <laughs> ad lib too much yeah. all right. anyway, still talking all right anyway we're gonna go all right thanks for <laughs> anyway thanks for listening everyone we'll see you next week bye